Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into our study. Jesus, thank you so much for your word that it never turns back void. Lord, uh, thank you for each and every person here. Thank you, Lord, for um, the community that we're in. Lord, just pray for the other churches and pastors and leaders in this community that you would do a great work in and through them, Lord. Just ask that you would uh, transform all of Hearst. Lord, thank you that you love this community. Uh, thank you. Lord, I pray you transform every community that we live in, Lord. Uh, just lift up um, my friend Theo, Lord, who's in El Salvador. Pray for him and his uh, family, Lord, as he pastors there, that you would just have your hand upon them, provide for them financially as missionaries. Uh, also lift up my friend Caleb in Mexico, Lord, that you would provide for him and his wife, Lord, and uh, that you would just have your hand upon their ministry as well. And we lift up Ben in Ukraine and just continue to pray for their church. And, and uh, Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing in Ukraine and Russia. We just ask that you would just continue to show yourself faithful, Lord, in the midst of <clears throat> a hellacious situation. Uh, we know, Lord, that you are always in control, that there's things in place today in the world that uh, are in play because uh, uh, the, there just needs to have some things happening pertaining to your Scripture, Lord, and Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and just all the different prophets that you've allowed to write about the end times of the world. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just stir your body up, Father God, to be... Um, in line with you, to be a light in the midst of a dark world, Lord, to be salt, to be flavorful. Just thank you so much, Lord God. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for uh, just your word, Lord. Just uh, remove me from the equation today, Lord, and uh, I pray, Father, that um, none of us would leave this place missing what you want to teach us, Lord, myself included. Thank you so much for Daniel chapter 4. And uh, the account that we get to read through today pertaining to Nick, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's transformation. And uh, I just ask that you would just minister as you see fit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 4. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Somebody will bring a Bible to you. Um, today we'll be reading out a New King James Version. Um, I apologize. The print on the Bibles that we have, it's super small. I think it's like nine point, but <clears throat> maybe we should give out reading glasses with the Bibles also. Thank you, Roy. So we continue through the journey of the book of Daniel, and this account is quite fascinating what, uh, what God allowed to have happen to Nebuchadnezzar. This is really a great snapshot of that, that God is in control. Um, God places leaders in position. He establishes kingdoms. He establishes rulers. And um, as I was preparing, I was just thinking about, you know, um, and I'm not a really political guy, and I don't think the pulpit's a place for politics per se. That's just my personal opinion. But, um, you know, the, the leadership in the world today in the United States is really interesting. I'll just put it that way. And um, 
a lot of times we can lose sight on who's in control because we put a lot of our hope in like our freedom in America and all the different things. And the reality is, is that God's in control and God has allowed the people in position to have their place for one reason and one reason only. And that's really to glorify Him and His plan um, to set things in place in the world uh, pertaining to prophecy and in in, in in Revelation and different scriptures that I'd mentioned before. And so, but but studying for this, it's interesting. We'll we'll, we'll see some verses here that the Lord um, places Nebuchadnezzar really holds him accountable to to that that it was God who gave him what what he had. And um, as we had read through the chapters prior, we we know that Nebuchadnezzar is a very prideful man. Um, he was more than a, he was a, a, a great conqueror. He was a great king. He did great things in regards to what kings did at the time. And Babylon was a, a, a great place in regards to kingdoms. Uh, it was beautiful. There were tons of things that 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 King Nebuchadnezzar had added to it. Um, it was it, it was he was the leader of the known world at the time, and uh, it's just it's it, so his attitude had to get changed. Um, and what's fascinating to me as well is that um, God continued to remind him that he was in control, even as we went through with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter three. I mean, you see, he proclaims that 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 their God is the Most High God, you know, and and even in in the prior chapter where where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and 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 he asked everybody to tell him his dream and then interpret it, and Daniel comes on the scene and and does those things for him, and again, Nebuchadnezzar recognizes that the spirit of the true and living God, the Most High God, lives in Daniel, is operating through Daniel. And so Nebuchadnezzar has experienced God. He's experienced the power of God. He's seen God work, and yet he still is not a person who believes that God is in control and almighty. And so we see Daniel chapter 4 unfold here for King Nebuchadnezzar pertaining to the Lord removing him from removing Nebuchadnezzar from the equation and making Nebuchadnezzar know that God is king over all things. So Daniel chapter 4, verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king, he writes this to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the most high God has worked for me. Uh, How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. So we see here in verse 1 through 3 that King Nebuchadnezzar is proclaiming the great works that God has done towards him. These words are of a person that has been changed by God, one that has experienced the greatness of the Most High God. Uh, We could even venture to say that these words are out of the mouth of a converted person, somebody who's given their life over to the Lord. Um, one that has been changed by God. And so it's almost like verse one through three is, a pre, is, is, is him like a, 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 uh, a preface to what Nebuchadnezzar, uh, uh, what Daniel writes about Nebuchadnezzar here in the next uh, verses following the end of this chapter. So verse four, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house. And he, he, we, we see here what's going on with King Nebuchadnezzar. He's, I'm at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. So, so Nebuchadnezzar was done. He was at rest. He had conquered everything he wanted to conquer. He built everything he had conquered, I mean, wanted to build. And he was at rest now. There wasn't war. He wasn't trying to do any of those things. And, and so he's in his, his palace.
pal- and flourishing in my palace. In other words, he's enjoying everything. After he conquered the land, the building of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar was at rest. He was enjoying and reaping of all of his great work. And then he goes on, he says, I saw a dream which <clears throat> made me afraid and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. And it's fascinating to me, knowing who Nebuchadnezzar was, if you go and look through the history, I mean, he conquered Egypt. I mean, there was tons, this guy was not a fearful person. And so for him to have had this dream that troubled him in such a way it caused him to be afraid, it was a pretty intense dream for him. And verse six says, therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. It's, it's fascinating to me also that any of these people would actually come to him, even though when the king says, hey, I bid you come, you need to obey him. But prior to these, uh, this chapter, we also knew that when, the, when these wise men couldn't tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream, he started chopping them in pieces and burning their house down. That was what Nebuchadnezzar would do when he would get mad. But so, so these men come and, and, and they, they, he asked them, you know, to tell this dream to him. I mean, to interpret this dream to him. Again, he had a dream uh, again. And this time he made the dream known to all the wise men uh, that he had summoned to him. Um, in this text, we see that they did not make known to him, though, the interpretation. Maybe they knew the interpretation, but were afraid to tell him the meaning of the dream. Verse 8. But at last, Daniel came before me, his name being Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, little g. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. Excuse me. It's important to note that even though Nebuchadnezzar states um, that he named David with the name of one of his gods, which is, would be demonic things, um, being a little G, being not great God, he still uh, is sure to proclaim that the spirit of the Most High God, of God who is holy, is working in Daniel. So, so Nebuchadnezzar recognized that prior to uh, this because of the things that God allowed Daniel to do. Uh, This also should be what marks our lives as Christians, that when people see us or make mention of us, that they make mention of the character of God's Spirit and recognize in us that He is part of our lives. A lot of people can attend church and then their life just stays the same, right? You know, people say, well, when, 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 when people are with you at work or, or at home or, 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 or in the neighborhood where you live, do they recognize that you're a believer? Do they see that God is active in your life? It's very important. Nebuchadnezzar being a, a pagan king, um, God was working on him. Uh, we'll, we'll recognize here towards the end of this chapter what happened with him, but he knew that God was alive through Daniel's life, and God uses human beings to let the world know that he is alive and active. And that's what the church is here for. The church is to raise people up, teach them the word of God, and send them out. So my question to you is, what are you known for? What are you known for? It's convicting. 
to ask that question. What are you known for? Brian, what are you known for? What am I known for? Also, it's interesting to note that we see how Nebuchadnezzar looked for the answers through worldly wisdom first, right? He, he, he sought out the magicians first, the soothsayers first, and that didn't work. Um, and then he sought out godly counsel. And then the question we need to ask ourselves, is this how it is in our lives? Do we look to the world for answers first? Do we look to the things that we can do ourselves first? Then when those things don't work out, we seek God and his wisdom as a last-ditched effort. In your life, do you put God first in your circumstances and situations, or is he just like, the, you know, the, uh, I'll, I'll seek his face when it's all falling apart? We need to let God be the God of our life first in all things of our lives. Verse 10, Nebuchadnezzar goes on and tells this to Daniel. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth and, it, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens and, and, it, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches and all flesh was fed from it. Verse 13, I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed and there was a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven. Now it's fascinating how we see in, in, in Daniel chapter four, Nebuchadnezzar recognizes this watcher. And you think, well, what is that? It sounds like a, a sci-fi movie or something. Um, this watcher would have been an angel of some sort, a supernatural entity from heaven that was watching King Nebuchadnezzar. We, and it's important, I want, you, I want you guys to think about this. We do not always think of these things in this manner, but there is a spiritual realm that is all around us watching you and seeing what you and I do. We're on display for the spiritual realm. It, it sees us. There are some that are evil and, and demonic and some that are of godliness. Chuck Smith mentions this. The watcher was probably an angel. Um, we're so concerned with the material world that we often forget how much the spirit world is involved in our lives. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Christians, that's the warfare that goes on in your and my life. We don't wrestle against the government. We don't wrestle against the school system. Those aren't where we wrestle against. You know, Prayer is such an amazing thing when the body of Christ comes together and prays for things. You know, before we stepped out and, and actually launched into this community here, we spent a year and a half driving around and praying through all of Hearst as a family. Flesh and blood is not where our battle is. Pastor Chuck Smith, he continued and says, Satan often attacks us through our emotions. We can... He can give us that depressed and out of sorts feeling. <clears throat> and we need to recognize an attack from Satan. 
resist the attack and rejoice that God has provided the victory for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. James chapter four, verse seven says this, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's amazing in my life when I submit to God, when I resist, in other words, I just, I don't operate on my temptation. The enemy flees. That's how it is. It's an amazing thing that God gives a believer in Jesus Christ. This may be, we'll do a whole nother study. It's possible, studying through this and reading through this, I thought, you know, maybe we might do a study on spiritual warfare after Daniel. I don't know. We'll see how long it takes us to get through Daniel. Maybe the Lord will give us a pit stop and we'll go and do that before we're even out of Daniel. I don't know, but that just came up and I'm not you know, promising anything, but it just, I thought about that. Like how many of us, do we really see our lives and do we operate as Christians recognizing that there's a spiritual warfare around us at all times? I was telling Roy, you know, uh, and this is totally a side note from what's happening here with King Nebuchadnezzar, but I was telling Roy this morning that I feel like I'm like, oh, like this all the time, you know, under pressure. You know, whenever you start taking a step out and you start living your life for the Lord, and you start doing things for him in ministry or in your home that are godly or whatnot, there'll be pressure coming against you. And you'll be like, Why? where's this coming from? I don't know. There's always an attack on a believer's life to, 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 to stray away or to not serve the Lord or to not be godly so that, so that you, know, you aren't the light that you need to be, so that you aren't like Daniel in Nebuchadnezzar's life. Back to the study in verse 14, we pick up speaking about the watcher coming in his dream and telling him about this tree. The watcher said, he cried aloud and said, thus chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. So Nebuchadnezzar would be turned into a wild beast. He literally would go insane for seven years. This decision is by the decree of the watchers, verse 17, and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. See, look at the reasoning for this to happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. It's important that we understand that it is God that is in charge, nobody else. God's in charge. When gas prices went up, God didn't all of a sudden be not in charge. When food prices go up, God didn't all of a sudden not be in charge. Does it frustrate us? Uh, yeah. But it doesn't mean that he's not in charge. What it means is it probably tests our faith and trust in God. Do you really trust the Lord with your life or do we just say it? Because when the rubber meets the road, man, as believers, we need to be praying and let the Lord sift our lives and our hearts and our minds that we would be solid on God's truth in our lives. So that when situations come up and things become unstable and your neighbor who maybe not 
in the same position you are in regards to their trust and hope in God comes to you and shares their concerns and everything, and you know that your hope and trust is in the Lord, and, and you're filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word, and your, your neighbor who might be broken and disappointed comes over, and you're able to share the love of Jesus with them just by talking with them, not proselytizing, but build a relationship. And people see the hope that's in a real believer's life. And I mean real because some people, they go to church and they have no real relationship with God whatsoever. There's going to be one day when people stand before the true and living God and they're going to say, look at all the great things we did. We did all these miracles. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. It's scary. Do you really serve the true and living God or do you serve what your concept is of the true and living God? It's a very important thing to have in place. But man, our lives need to be in such a place so that when people, we're the, God has made the believer the hope that the world needs to see. Yes, Jesus is the hope of the world, but for some crazy reason, he decided to instill his spirit into mankind, being all broken and sinful that we are, and use us to be able to be a light to those around us. So we see here what's happening with King Nebuchadnezzar. God allowed this to happen to him. See, God gives men the place of dominion and the place of ruling. Man doesn't do it. Not in this context. It's, it's just in, interesting. Verse 18, he continues, Nebuchadnezzar's telling him this dream to Daniel, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, declare its interpretation since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation but you are able for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Do you see that? King Nebuchadnezzar recognizes the power of God, right? When things get bad in the world, let the church pray, but don't let the church get into the schools with the Bible. The world's hypocritical in its needs. So Nebuchadnezzar is saying, hey, you know, my worldly ways didn't help, but hey, I know that the spirit of God works in you, so why don't you, you know... Come and tell me. I know that he's going to work through you because you've done it before. Verse 19, that Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, was astonished for a time and his thoughts troubled him. So this dream, so Daniel was concerned about telling this dream to Nebuchadnezzar. So the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belshazzar answered and said, my Lord, May the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. See, Daniel knew that Nebuchadnezzar was going to be removed 100% from his ability to lead. He was not going to be in existence anymore. In fact, um, I, I don't remember where the historical book was, but there's an account of seven years where Nebuchadnezzar is not mentioned any, anymore. I forgot which one it was under. I should have written it down. Um, if you're interested in it, I'll, I'll find the answer for that and send it to you. <clears throat> Verse 20, here goes what Daniel says, the interpretation. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant and which was food for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt and in whose branches the birds of the heavens had their home. This is you, O king. 
who gave who have grown and become strong for your greatness has grown and reached to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. See, King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was extremely great. He was a very, very strong king. His kingdom provided for all of the known world at the time. God allowed this provision. God allowed this kingdom to exist. Verse 23 Daniel continues, and inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with dew of heaven and let him get graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the most high which has come upon my Lord, the King. So it's fascinating. Daniel is telling him that this decree is from God pertaining to King Nebuchadnezzar. It's pretty intense when somebody comes to you and says, uh, this is God sharing this with you. Um, you need to listen. And that does happen still today. Um, So here's what happens with this uh, verse. Uh, okay, sorry, verse 25. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make you eat grass like an ox. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. It's fascinating here how the purpose was for Nebuchadnezzar to actually recognize and know that word till you know, it's not head knowledge, it's reception in your personhood that God is the most high God. It's knowing. It's almost, I would almost to the extent of, you know, if you're married, you know your wife. Do you get what I'm saying? Like there's, there's, there's this, it's not just head knowledge. It's, it's, it's all of you knows that God is the most high God. There's no question. There's nothing hiding. So, this situation is going to come upon Nebuchadnezzar, and it's quite fascinating. But you see the stump that was left, like the stump that was left in the parking lot here. I was thinking about that this morning. It's supposed to be ground and taken out. Maybe God won't stay there until we got to this chapter. Maybe it'll get removed next week. But that stump that's out in the, in the, in the, in the rocks uh, a couple weeks ago is growing all these shoots. It's still wanting to live. That stump's still alive, though it's cut off. So the stump that would be left, the roots intact, this meant that the kingdom, uh, th th that King Nebuchadnezzar would be restored um, after he gave way to recognizing God as Lord of all. It's important that you and I recognize that the true and living God is the Lord of all. Is he the Lord of your life? It's always a question that needs to be answered. Verse 27, Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. 
See, Daniel knew that it was guaranteed that Nebuchadnezzar's demise was going to happen through this situation. And Daniel, this shows that he had a friendship with Nebuchadnezzar. He cared about him. He was being a good friend and telling Nebuchadnezzar, look, you need to repent. You need to change your ways. You need to do something different. Perhaps God will have mercy on you if you, if you, if you change your ways. So he's pleading for the king to, 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 to repent from his evil doings to have a change of thinking as it pertains to his spiritual conversion. Metanoia, that's what it means, that word. Daniel's saying, metanoia, although that's not the language that it would be written in here. Verse 28, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for royal dwelling of my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. He's just relishing in just the greatness of himself. Oh, it's so awesome what I've done. Nebuchadnezzar was full of pride, looking at everything that he had built, everything that he had done. He's saying, I'm so great. And like I had mentioned, Babylon was, it was known for its beauty. In fact, uh, the Hanging Gardens, one of the seven wonders of the world was in Babylon. Um, as, and, and so here he is walking through his palace and taking a look at everything, relishing in all things. And as the words were coming out of his mouth, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. When God declares something, it's instant. Okay, it's not like waiting in line to get your groceries or anything like that. You know, when God does something, he's going to do it in his timing. And when he does it, it's, it, 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 it is. Sometimes things do take longer in our lives, but, but, you know, with this, once this happened, his kingdom departed no longer. And they shall drive you from men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. God will allow anything to happen in your life for you to recognize that he is God. You know how I know that? Because he wills no man to perish and all to come to repentance through Jesus. That's his desire. And he will allow anything to happen in your life and in my life. Circumstances change. Situations draw us to start questioning our spirituality or our eternity or, or whatever it might be. And then while that's happening in your life, God might throw some crazy Christian your way to say, hey, I, I know about Jesus. I don't know what the timing is in your life with that. It's happened in my life. It'll happen in yours if it hasn't already. But God made sure that Nebuchadnezzar would be in this state until he knew that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. So for seven years, Nebuchadnezzar would be insane, living in the wilderness like a beast. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. So here's the state that he was in for 30, for 30, sorry, verse 33, for seven years. 
And then here's what happens. Verse 34, I love this. The transformation after seven years. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed, listen, you guys, what did he do? And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And he goes on and says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me, my counselors and nobles restored to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. I want us to not gloss over this section here of 34 to 35 of verses here. I want us to recognize the personality of Nebuchadnezzar. I want us to recognize the stubbornness of him. I want us to recognize that for this man to say what he said was a really big deal. A lot of times we can read through something like this and, and it just glosses over. We just say, okay, blah, 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 blah. And we don't relate to it. Or we don't take into account the fact of what actually happened with, with this person in the Bible. But King Nebuchadnezzar was absolutely full of himself. He absolutely had every right to think that he was the greatest human being ever to exist. When he was walking through his palace, there was nothing, there, it wasn't even a farce of him to say how great he was because he had done great things. But God is what had allowed him to do that. And it's also important to understand that when, his, when he was removed, his prosperity was removed. The, the ability for him to, to, to uh, supply for people, the greatness of, of who he was, you know, for food and all these things, all of those things that he trusted in and looked at, all of those things were removed. And my prayer for you and me is that God does not allow things like that in our life, that we aren't so extremely hardened to the Lord that we have to go through such a thing to where everything is removed for us, to where we become so whittled down in our lives, physically, mentally, emotionally, to finally recognize God. God will allow it, but it doesn't have to be that way. I don't know where all of you are at pertaining to God and your relationship with Jesus, but I do know that the Lord loves you, that he has a plan for your life. His purposes for you are great. You know, the greatest need today is what that big banner says up there. Hope is found here. Hope is the greatest need. Hope is the greatest need. Hope is the greatest need in the school systems. Hope is the greatest need in children. Hope is the greatest need in families. Hope is the greatest need. We can build streets and we can put great things into a community and they can look amazing like Babylon did. But without hope, forget it. There's no, there's no real stability, you know. 
Um, verse 37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, what does it say? He's able to put down. He does humble him. It's a scary thing when the true and living God decides to humble us when we choose not to be humbled ourselves. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 through 10, I'm going to leave you with this. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Verse 7, Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it when people say, oh, I have a good heart. No, you don't. You're desperately wicked beyond all recognition. I'm sorry, but that's the human condition. And who can know it? It's only God who knows our heart. It's only him who can decipher what's going on inside of us. It's only him who can bring us to a place of recognizing that Jesus is Lord. But he desires that in all of our lives. Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. There's that old saying, you reap what you sow. You live your life in a godly fashion, you will reap godly things. You live your life in an ungodly fashion, you will reap ungodly things. It's amazing, Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. It almost, when I, was, when I put this in here in the first couple of verses, I'm like, ah, it's kind of fascinating how it, it uh, almost correlates with what happened to, to Nebuchadnezzar. But God has such strength for the man that trusts in the Lord, the woman too. It's, it's, it's synonymous. It's human being, you know, who, whose hope is the Lord. Is Jesus your hope? Or is your bank account? Or other things? May this message today challenge you of what your hope is in. It's amazing. Again, Nebuchadnezzar changed 100%. God humbled him and he recognized who God was in his life and who God was in the world and that he has all authority. And that's who has authority over all things is him. Next week, we're going to get into another season of Daniel, different kingship. Um, and uh, it's just going to be a great study. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it never turns back void. Thank you, Lord, so much for the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. There's so many things in there, God, that we can relate to as human beings, our pride and, and building things on our own and, and, and just, man, and having a friend like Daniel come into our life and share with us at the right moment about the love of Jesus and needing to change. And Lord, just how you love people is amazing. 
Lord, you, you're beyond um, our own architect. You're beyond our own understanding, God. You know exactly how to, to, to change our lives, how to minister to us, how to add to our lives, how to take things away that need to be taken away. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, myself included, if there's things in our life, Lord, that, that aren't pleasing to you, Lord, bring it to our mind, sift our hearts, that we might be able to lay that down, Lord, at your feet. Thank you so much just for your word, Lord. Thank you for this day. Just praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.